Welcome everybody to Hidden Guardians Podcast, your only podcast hosted by actual Hidden Guardians. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the last two weeks of the wonderful story that's been going on in Season of the Haunted. Uh, this all involves Keitel. We're affectionately calling it Keitel Goes to Therapy, is what we're saying it as. So we're going to be dealing with her week one, her severance, which was called Rage, the week two, and the resolve conclusion of it uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that happened within it there's also some stuff that went down after the fact too and we're kind of touch on that here as well i'm outrider i'm flying solo today so i'm apologizing in advance that the only voice you get to listen to is mine i hope bench feels better and he'll, he should be back next time for episode 71 okay so the first half of the title story uh, essentially deals with her kind of coming to grips with uh, the nightmare of gall that's been plaguing her since the beginning of the season. We remember seeing it in the uh, cutscene at the end of the very first mission in Season of the Haunted. But we really haven't seen Keitel interacting anything with it, like kind of like Crow with Aldrin Sav. Or Zavala with uh, Safi, his former wife. Now, at the start of the mission, at the start of this week, uh, Keitel ends up getting tired of waiting around for the Vanguard, and obviously the Guardians, to kind of search the Leviathan to try to find Callus so she can finally put an end to him, and decides, that's it. I'm done. We're going to go take out the uh, Nightmare of Gaul personally. She challenges the Nightmare of Gaul to approving. And then Eris basically says, you got to go help her. Because Keitel was not involved in the ritual at the beginning of the season that the Crow and Zavala were, which kind of, um, I want to say, offered a form of protection to what the nightmares can do to a person, an influence. And, well, I'm just going to say it flat out, it fails. All these first attempts fail. Because they're not actually reaching the core of the issue. But you go into the Leviathan after you, you know, get all the components you need is basically doing a containment. And you find her. She's talking, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? You know, you, you're actually fighting alongside some NPC cabals that are in there too, uh, which was kind of cool to see. And Keitel then starts having a back and forth with Gaul, the Nightmare of Gaul, which he keeps questioning her ability to be a leader. As, is she respected? Is she strong enough? Uh, look at this. The Vanguard had to send somebody here because they don't think you can do it. They look at you. You, you. you should have conquered them instead of, you know, basically lying down and allowing them to dictate how you lead. Uh, questioning everything about her, since Keitel is the empress of the Cabal. Essentially, she is the Cabal. Gaul, at one point, was in the same position. When they overthrew Kallus, he took over. And took the Red Legion, brought him into the Soul System, and basically tried to take the Traveler's Light, but, you know, perished doing it. Well, 
Gaul, being the legendary leader he is, turns out, as you find out in this, also was Keitel's trainer. This is the mentor that she had. So Gaul, in a way, was also a friend, a mentor. But he was also a someone she idolized. Because Gaul came from nothing. He was a runt. He was, he looked different than others. He was the white cabal. Um, and he fought his way up through the gladiator pits on Torah Bottle. Basically, he earned the right to lead through shows of extreme brutality and strength and a willingness to do whatever he needed to do to survive in such a very harsh climate. Our social climate, really. Well, Keitel adored him for this. She, There's a dialogue between the two during the Nightmare Containment where he talks about him fighting in the arena and everybody cheering, and she cheered the loudest. And, you know, she admits to this. And you kind of get this idea that it was... She saw him in one light and one light only and didn't notice... All the flaws that came with how Gaul got to where he did. And, well, at the end of the ritual, when it fails, Gaul makes sure to point out, he's the one that took Earth. He's the one that took the Traveler's Light. He's the one that became the leader after Callus was overthrown and exiled. Not her. And she's not and she's not strong enough, but you know, the ritual was never going to succeed. Keitel wasn't part of the initial bonding, so she didn't have the protections to resist some of the crushing psychological effects that were being pushed upon her. And she didn't want to do it because she didn't trust Harris Morn, but also there was an element of pride. She thought she was already strong enough. She's the leader of the Cabal right now. She's the Empress. She has to be strong enough. Well, she failed. We end up doing some side missions after that where we go on to the moon. Uh, we clear one of the lost sectors Eris sends us to, which I, I kind of was interested in that because normally it's like, okay, you complete the Severance mission, you go back to the helm, and everything wraps up. This time it was... Now you're going to the K-1 Lost Sector on the moon. Investigate it by clearing the Lost Sector. You find out it's like, well, Callus and his loyalists were here. They did something. Now we're going to go check on the pyramid. And then you find more bodies of dead Cabal that apparently had the egregore spores all in their throats. And essentially, Eris starts putting it together that, that Callus's plan has been to spread the spores to the the dormant pyramid ship within the moon. And to one end, it was to communicate, take over, whatever. Also kind of gives you a little gleam into Callus probably isn't, well, like we would expect Callus to be, and even how he's been written about in prior lore entries. It looks like Callus is almost sentient fungus at this point. He's more of a He's more of an evolved being. 
than somebody that we can recognize as Cabal. Well, after all that is discovered, you get one more cuts, uh, one more little message, and this is a little terminal next to the helm, where Eris and Keitel start talking back and forth. And Keitel kind of swallows her pride a little bit, you know? It's like, you know, I, I'm not... Uh, am I strong enough on this? And Eris basically gives her the pep talk until finally Keitel says, can I take part of this ritual? And Eris is like, yeah, I have it ready for you. Cut to the next week where we will have the Severance Resolve mission. So now Keitel is bound to Zavala, Crow, herself. Um, and essentially us, because we were part of the ritual too even though we didn't have a nightmare or anything we had to encounter i like to think the canon nightmare for the guardians is bad rng you know that that's an intangible thing so you know, you'll see like a, a weapon or something floating above the guardian's head depending on you know, what it is i know some folks it was probably 1000 voices or eyes of tomorrow others it was definitely the vex mythic class Bad RNG haunts everybody in this game. That's a player. Well, anyways, leading into this and setting everything up, uh, you also get a little bit more back and forth between Gaul and Keitel. And Gaul ends up mocking humanity quite extensively, specifically Guardians. He says they're weak. You know, they're, they're weak. You take away their light. They squish beneath your boots. Why are you working with them? He goes on and he slams guardians. And slams humanity for not having the strength to pull themselves out. And Keitel corrects him. Basically inferring that we came from nothing. We, we came from the ashes. And we've built ourselves up. And she's fought side by side with us before. And understand that we're actually fearless as a species. And, you know... We are, well, we, Keitel is now starting to understand that the alliance we have, the alliance with humanity, the alliance with the House of Light, they're kind of all part of this too, even though they're not involved in this season. We are all stronger against the darkness, against the witness, together. And it's going to take more than just the light. To end up repelling this force. And I think she refers to us as steadfast allies. You know, because we, we got her back. We showed mercy when, back in the uh, season of The Chosen, if I recall, where we actually engaged Keitel for the first time. The Proving Grounds strike became available. We had the Battlegrounds added. And, yeah, we brokered the treaty. And that's also where you know, Crow was exposed to Zavala as the resurrected Ultron Sav. But all through this, we've been watching this relationship develop between two former enemies now working together as an, in an alliance. And it's really, really fascinating to see this. But title ends up through her words and actions over the course of this severance mission resolve, showing that um, her true value as a leader. 
compromise is a leadership quality, not just conquering. Knowing that, you know, the ways of old have their place, but you can do something better than that. And that a true leader actually has to take into consideration the health and well-beings of the people she's leading, not just perpetuating endless war, which is eventually going to lead to them becoming extinct. And I find it interesting that after all of that, Gaul, you know, obviously changes. He goes from being the Red Nightmare to the White Spirit, glowing silver-white spirit, whatever. He recognizes that he, to a degree, failed. Now, you're not going to get a full change in Gaul, obviously, because it's not the real person. It's kind of like an echo of it. It's the manifestation of your doubts, these nightmares, your doubts and fears. Well, in Keitel's case, it's really, is she a good enough leader? Is she actually representing the Cabal? Well, at least with Gaul's sake, he realizes, through her, that he failed taking the light. He absolutely failed. He may have conquered briefly the last city and taken the light from the Guardians, but in the end, his hubris cost him and he burned in the light. Whereas Keitel actually wields the light herself as part of her own war council. And that is much more potent. Having a group that has an active seat at the table, so to speak. Now, I think that's very nice to, you know, hear and see this growth as she's recognizing the steps that she's taken in somewhat of a short amount of time from when she assumed control. They lost their home planet, a Tor bottle, when Zebu Arath invaded with her hive legions and just committed genocide of billions of Cabal. And the ones that fled, fled, and they made a track to the soul system. Not necessarily to take us over and take the power of the light themselves, but to breach a contract with us almost, to, to come up with uh, the armistice, which is now the alliance, and to basically say, hey, you know, we lost everything, but if we go to war with you, <laughs> we're going to lose all of us. Uh, how about we stop shooting at each other for a little while? And previous seasons actually made it look like it was on shaky ground. Uh, see, at the beginning of the Witch Queen expansion, the first mission is you actually have to kind of get past some of Keitel's loyalists to get onto uh, Sabathun's ship that's over Mars. And it is brought up, it's like, you were killing my people. And it's like, well, they kind of shot at me first. You know, but we're working towards, they're not going to be shooting at us anymore. Especially with having Saladin, Lord Saladin, as Valis Forge on her war council. There's a very interesting line that uh, Keitel says to the uh, Shadow of Gaul was, I was fighting with the weapons you gave me, but now I wield my own. You know, so it's like all the training and stuff, all the things that he initially in the first mission said that you lost all of that 
where is the title that I left? The the fearless starfighter pilot. The one that's adept with a blade. The one that was like, this ferocious warrior that I trained. Where is it? And she weakly says, dead. Among the ashes of Tora Bottle. And he's like, well, that's where you're going to stay. Now, she's accepted that that old way wasn't the way forward to save herself and her people. She needed to forge a new way. And her way, and she even says this, you know, when he said, Gaul mentioned something about, you know, words. Their words are just words. Everybody has them. And she goes, that's true, but my words are better. And you get the cutscene. Well, not the cut. I keep saying cutscene. You get the uh, audio clip afterwards where she talks about the values of action and conquest that Gaul and Callus instilled in her. And that was pretty much it. They, they didn't really give her anything else. And she realized how bad that is for leadership when she herself was thrust into the role. So she understands that to have a lasting legacy, a real one, not like what Gaul thought he was going to do, because Gaul was a conqueror and a tyrant to us, a hero to the people of the Cabal, but they were kind of enamored with what he was doing and his personality and not looking at, to get where he was at, he was this ruthless, cruel, narcissist, jerk that would kill anybody in his path to get what he needed. Title had to come up with a different way. And she understands that the lasting legacy isn't the conquest. Conquest will lead to ashes where there's nothing left. A lasting legacy is a lasting legacy of peace with allies. And that's more valuable to her people. If you want to think about Callus himself, he was all about wealth and greed. I mean, look at the Leviathan, the entire reason he summoned us to the Leviathan was to put on a show for him for riches. And that was in the first raid. And then when he had problems up with the Leviathan with the two raid layers, uh, Eater of Worlds and Spire of Stars, it was, hey, can you take care of these problems for me? I'll give you more goodies. And then we had Season of Opulence, where we were introduced to Galron, the genetically altered cabal that was designed to wield the crown of sorrows. And, well, we had to go stop that because that got out of hand and it went sideways for him. Again, more and more goodies, but as you look at the condition inside the Leviathan, the deeper we were going into it, the, that luster was gone. This was a filthy, dirty, corrupt place. And, you know, that's what Callus valued. Wealth. Power. He was a glutton. These aren't virtues. These are vices. Callus was a terrible leader. And an even worse father. Gaul was all about power, yes, but strength, conquest, bloodlust. Again, great for a warrior to have not somebody leading a people because eventually the conquest will stop. And then what do you have? You have somebody that's war hungry. He's always going to be looking for another fight. To actually lead a people to safely, you have to have somebody that, you know, can fight, 
understands the cost of war, but is truly actually looking to have a safety net for her feet, for her own people, and that's what Keitel brings up. It's interesting to me that when I'm looking at how Keitel dealt with everything, and it's not just, you know, dealing with daddy issues, because obviously Callus is a very bad person, but also Gaul. You're considering leadership. You're considering what does it mean to be somebody in power, which is, you know, big topics. And do you fill those requirements? Are you good enough for the title? Are you good enough for the position you're in? But the one thing that I found interesting, especially when it comes to regarding where Gaul came from through his times in the gladiator pits, was Keitel now understands a little bit about, you know, what does it mean to actually challenge your idols? To really seriously evaluate, essentially, the fandom that you're following. And you can see how just blindly following it can actually be very toxic to somebody. I mean, it wasn't until she stepped back and actually saw Gaul for all he was, rather than just all the strengths that she was trying to, you know, emulate on her own. She got a clear picture of the person she was trying to become, and it wasn't who she actually was. And I think that's kind of powerful coming from a video game company, kind of hinting on toxic fandoms. All things considered, all fandoms can be extremely toxic. I am not just laying blame at one particular fandom or another. And it comes from places of people having extreme interest in something. But it really takes uh, time to step back and think about what you're doing people you're associating with, the values they're instilling into you. Is it really you? Are these things that you really want to associate with? Can you still like the product or the celebrity or athlete, whatever? In this case, Gaul kind of was an athlete, you know, being a gladiator. Can you like that stuff still, but not like the other components of the individual? And it's interesting that she's kind of come to this that yes she was friends with him she this person was thought of as a hero to her people and it's okay for people to see you thinking about an individual that way but at the same time you recognize all the flaws that an individual had you don't shy away from them i would like to think that everybody that listens to the podcast at some point or another has experienced something similar to that i know i have uh, personally, there has been an author. I enjoyed reading his books and some of the other things he's done. And I thought he was fantastic. He was one of my favorites in uh, you know, modern day writing. And then a whole bunch of really horrible stuff came out about him and how he was treating women. It took me a while to sit there and understand that, yeah, I could like his older works. I truly can. Because they did leave a mark on me. Some of the stuff that he has written changed my point of views on how one can view superheroes. 
another thing was a fantastic detective story that I thought was wonderful, and it really changed the entire uh, detective mystery genre, which I do like, or movies or whatnot, changed it totally for me, and it was a novel. It was fantastic. But I also understand that, you know, this person is extremely flawed. They've done their own thing. They made some very, very bad decisions in their life. And I shouldn't feel ashamed for liking what they did when I didn't know any better. But I also don't have to support that behavior anymore. Um, and that takes, uh, I guess, what is called character growth for an individual and development. That's actually a nice little kind of thing that kind of put in there. It's not like totally fleshed out. I mean, this entire season so far, we're getting a lot more information about three NPCs that we've been kind of dealing with now for the past year. The Crow, Zavala, who's been a big part of the Crow story, and Keitel. You know, they've all been kind of tied together, and we've had other people dodging in and out, but we really didn't get a good glimpse as to who these individuals are, truly, who they are. What kind of makes them tick? You know, why do they do the things they do? And this season definitely blew the doors off that. I can say clearly that we know who Commander Zavala is now. We know Empress Keitel. We know the Crow, and we know more now about Aldrin Saab. We know about Zavala's family that he lost, and we now know more about Gaul, the villain from the very first campaign in Destiny 2, which was the Red War. All we had was conquering Cabal, conquering Cabal, and now we know who he is. We know what his motivations were. We know more about the Midnight Coup. You got some of that, though, from something outside of the seasonal content, which was the Duality Dungeon, which is sold separately. That's why I'm not tying it too much to you know the seasonal stuff. But the Duality Dungeon, since you're going into essentially um, Callus's memories, you think about it, it's, it's like Inception, the movie Inception, except uh, in Destiny. And Eris Morn's a mad scientist for coming up with this device to do it. But you actually kind of hear the parts of the Midnight Coup. I mean, the, the, the um, uh, second major encounter. You hear in between the three mini-bosses that you fight, some of the lines of dialogue are callous begging for his life, ordering people to don't do this, you know, as they're overthrowing his reign. You're hearing the Midnight Coup from his perspective. That's kind of cool. We've gotten more information about characters and things that have occurred that we would used to only get within the confines of a lore card. Now happening in-game. Now we're seeing and hearing things in-game informing the players as to how the world works and big events that have gone down. And something with historical significance to the game, like the Midnight Coup, being featured as part of a dungeon, which, while not included with the season, was released alongside the season that actually is focusing directly with Catalyst returning. 
was actually very cool. You get to see a lot more of who these people are that we're constantly dealing with. And I totally applaud the narrative team at Bungie for this. And it's we've been seeing real improvements over the past two years, I'd say, of storytelling that the Bungie narrative team has been doing. And this particular season is probably one of the strongest ones they've ever done. And I kind of find it to be a little bit of a shame that when the season is gone and the seasonal content's wiped away, when the next year of content starts, which should be with Lightfall, then anybody that missed it, missed it. And there's no way for them to go back and relive it. Now, I'm not arguing against vaulting or anything. I just wish we had a better way to access older information that has happened in-game, other than that little bitty timeline that we have on the director. I really wish there was something better than lore cards. I mean, something that would also, like, access the cinematics that we get so people can actually experience this and kind of catch up on things. I mean, this season especially is very strong, and it's going to be a shame when it goes away. For those that actually played it, probably one we're going to be talking about for a while and I don't see that changing anytime soon but we got to ask now what's next and well I have some thoughts Eris had some thoughts too uh, when everything was said and done with Cal with the Keitel stories she kind of thinks the victory is a little on the hollow side and this is far from over and I totally agree with that I kind of think that the March to Lightfall, which originally was supposed to be the end, and then they added, you know, the final shape to kind of conclude the Light and Dark Saga, that the March to Lightfall itself is uh, going to be filled with a lot of losses for us. And not necessarily we're losing people, you know, we'll, we'll complete our goal of the season, but it wasn't like a total victory. It was more like we kind of just scraped by and, and you know, survived. And it's going to all kind of build up until Lightfall, where most likely we're going to uh, kick off the second collapse. That's just my guess. And all that's going to, that entire year, I'm thinking, is going to be dealing with this, where the final shape is going to be like the absolute apex of the second collapse where we either put a stop to it all and save mankind or kind of getting wiped out. I think we're going to survive, though, as they said, the game's going to go on past that. Whether or not light and darkness will, that's, that's a different story altogether. Yeah, so definitely with this, in this case, I think we're getting the rug pulled out from under us. I think... When And we'll find out, because when this goes live, the answer will be out there already. But I do think, and here's my prediction, that when the reset comes by, we're actually going to get a new mission, and we're going to fight Callus at the end of it. At least see Callus for what it is. I definitely think it's going to take place in the throne room. That was a location that we saw at the very, very first mission. 
of the season, and we've never gone back. And it's there on the Leviathan. It's just we've never gone back to it. I think it's going to happen. I think we're going in there, and that's where it's going to take place. If not, it, at least part of it's going to happen in there. Um, I hope we do get to see Callus in his full changed form. I keep thinking about he's this kind of like funky looking mold creature. And I, I keep getting like mental images of the grave mind from Halo, <laughs> which was the, the sentient brain of the uh, flood. If you played the Halo games, it was kind of like this um, being, this race of, I want to say like actual living fungus spores and everything that would take over organic life and make it their own. And they were just terrorized the galaxy. I mean, they touched down on a planet and if you didn't get rid of them, it was too late because they would just overtake everything. And while we're not seeing like, you know, egregore mutated cabal loyalists of Callus anywhere, which would have been kind of neat. Very funky, very um, weird, but I think that would involve having to come up with all new, you know, like animations and everything else. And that's just a huge undertaking for seasonal content, so I can understand why that wouldn't be the case. Uh, I don't want to say I rule it out in the future, though, at a bigger expansion. I'm not sure we're actually... We're going to defeat Callus. I don't think we're going to kill Callus because I don't think he's capable of being killed yet. Because I don't think he is with us in the sense that we would recognize Callus beyond just being some sort of sentience. I definitely feel when Callus went into the darkness, when he traversed into the space where the planet Mars was after the entire incident on the Glycon, if you remember. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think he's uh, a uh, normal, organic-looking cabal, even one that was, like, withering away in his, as I think I, I'll even called it, his uh, gilded tomb that was sent adrift. Um I definitely think that Callus will be back in some form in the future. I remember a friend of mine, a friend of the podcast, Crit Buff. He was talking about it on Twitter. And he thinks Callus is going to be a raid boss at some point. He was saying for the reprised raid, I don't think that's going to happen for a reprised raid. Reprised raids are pretty much, you know, one-to-ones with some additions. Like maybe they change up how an encounter goes, but to add callous in any kind of form that's represent representative of what he is now i don't think that's going to happen lightfall on the other hand i could see callous being one of the raid bosses not the last boss like rolk and vow the disciple because that was introducing us to the concept of disciples of the witness well obviously callous very well as a disciple of the witness in my opinion if he's not, he's going to be very soon. And, yeah, I, I see Callus actually being somebody we could encounter during whatever raid comes with Lightfall. I actually think the Lightfall raid is going to be enormous. And I think it's going to be bigger than Vow the Disciple. 
So that should be pretty neat. Next season, I, I don't really know what we're going to see. Uh, there's been BS leaks, another fake paste bin, but I'm not going to give any credence to that. So I can only speculate. And I, the only thing I can hope for is we're on track finally. At some point during this year, I hope it's next season after uh, the solstice event is done. So this new season would kick off in August. I, I hope that it involves Rasputin returning. I mean, that's still kind of hanging there. And so far, Destiny for the past few seasons have been tying up loose ends left and right. Having the Leviathan return and Callus finally trying to get her hands on Daddy, you know, that that's that's a loose thread. You know, that's, that's multiple loose threads all coming together at once. Uh, whether or not she actually will get her hands on Daddy, we'll find out at reset. But that's neither here or there. That'll be a topic for next week. Some other things we can cover really quickly. I mentioned Crit Buff. Well, Crit Buff was in the community spotlight about two weeks ago. Yes, he was the featured community member. Um, community uh, liaison Sam ended up interviewing him. There's a neat little interview up about him, what he does, uh, a little bit about him personally, and ways to find out where he's putting up his content. He's an extremely good dude. We love talking with him, and we're hoping to get him on the show at some point very soon. But I'll have in the description uh, linked right to the article about him. It's kind of cool. On July 7th, it's Bungie Day, so 7-7, that's their big thing. Uh, typically, we might see an announcement or something that comes out. Uh, one of the big things for me on Bungie Day is the Nerf Gallarhorn pre-orders finally go on sale. So I am totally excited for that. I can't wait to get my hands on the colossally, cartoonishly large Nerf Gallarhorn. And I'm going to take great pleasure in returning fire on any member of my family that shoots me with a Nerf dart with that. Because Daddy wields the big stick in the house. Well, at least the Nerf gun. It's just cool. I, I saw it. I have to have it. I do hope that Bungie maybe has a little secret on the side that if you do buy it, you get an ornament for the in-game Yalahorn that makes it look like the Nerf one. That would be so cool with like the white and orange coloration and stuff. Be awesome. And when you see it loading it in, is loading a giant Nerf dart instead of a rocket tube. Oh, I hope so. Solstice is coming up soon. I think in about two weeks. Uh, next week is week eight. So that's Iron Banner's return, which is the last Iron Banner of the season. So if you're working on your Iron Lord title and you want to get it done in one season, here's your chance. Rift is the game again, but that's the Iron Banner thing for this season. Next season, they're going to rotate, and Rift becomes into the general playlist. But, you know, hey, I'm like two things away. I just need to do some more daily challenges for characters, and I only did it on my Hunter during the first week, but I'm going to branch out and do it on some other characters just to get the number of games completed. And then... 
while I'm doing serious stuff on my Hunter, I'm going to try to complete the, oh gosh, what is that title called? It's like Orwig something, which is complete X number of points by playing the objectives in Rift. And I think I need somewhere along the lines of like 30 points to finish it. So fingers crossed that I'm going to get Iron Lord before the season's up. And for those that got it already on week one, dear Lord, how much Rift did you play? Or you're just better than I am. That's that's the other option. Actually, everybody's better than I am in PvP. So that's not a big deal. But I did mention Solstice. That is coming up to uh, the European Aerial Zones returning. There's some other things that are going to be happening. Uh, new glowing armor sets. New cosmetics. I believe there's a title that comes along with it as long and an additional secondary title that requires completing multiple seasonal act events so solstice uh festival of the loss uh, the dawning and probably guardian games each one will have their own titles starting with this solstice and then there's a big uber title for completing all of them i don't know if i'll be doing that in fact i Kind of looking forward to taking a break during Solstice. I'm not really interested in glowing armor again. If there's a weapon that it's coming out, like some sort of legendary, like the uh, the trophy for Guardian games, I might try to get a copy or two. It might be all right. But for the most part, this is Outrider got me a couple of video games on my birthday. And I think it's a good excuse to crack open Ghostwire Tokyo and... Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, give those a shot and see what I think. And I think a Destiny break is well-deserved. If you're feeling like you're reaching the part where it's just not satisfying and fun, but you still like the game, I highly recommend just stepping away. Seriously, go do something else. Even if it's not playing video games, go start watching movies. There's plenty of like shows to stream. You can pick up on something for a week or two. If I really wanted to, I'd like to catch up on The Boys. I've only seen one episode of The Boys. And that was the third season's episode entitled Herogasm. That's the only episode I saw because it was so heavily advertised, I just had to go look at it. And I didn't think it was that terrible. But overall, I like the story and the characters and the actors that are portraying them. So I definitely would like to start over with season one, episode one, and work my way up. But trying to find a time when... My three-year-old's not around to watch a show like The Boys. That's a challenge. So it's either six in the morning for me, and then I'm scarred all day, or I watch it after kiddo goes to sleep, and then I have to think about it before I fall asleep. So pick my poison. It's going to be bad either way. Uh, just a shameless self-promoting mention here. I finally completed a solo completion of the Prophecy Dungeon. This wasn't a solo flawless. That's next. But I finally did it. And I want to thank Burgundy World, who was on our show. He was a content creator for Destiny. And some other stuff. But actually, Yakuza Games, too. And he's a giant weeb. We love him around here. He encouraged me to that I could do it. And I decided that one night that I was just going to you know, start practicing heavily. Turned out, three hours later, I actually completed it. And that was crazy. Because once I got past the first encounter, which is kind of the hardest one, to be very honest with you, with the uh, Taken Phalanx that boops you off the platform that you're on, and 
you don't have a lot of space and there's all those nights and there's taken scions everywhere and phalanx's blast range on his uh, shield attack is huge and it can throw you straight off and you die well i got it done and i went on to do the rest of the dungeon and went actually really smoothly i also am going to say as a hunter main i did it on a titan Yes, that was the sound of people passing out that you probably heard. Yes, I did it on a Titan. It was a Solar Titan, but it's a Laurely Splendor Solar Titan build. So basically, I was running a Titan build that I didn't have to worry about my health as much as just staying alive from other environmental effects, which was kind of cool because it allowed me to focus more. And I got to admit, I, I, I'm still trying with Solar 3.0. On the hunter I, i'm at, up to a bombardier's build right now where i'm throwing knives and trip mines and bombardiers but you know part of that build is a seasonal mod classy restoration and when that goes away this build's gonna not be any good so I, i'm kind of like eh, with the play loop for hunters warlocks i tried and I, I haven't gone back i went back to being on void for warlocks but solar titans are the absolute shit. I love them to no end right now. If I was to praise, again, one thing out of Solar 3.0 that I think the Sandbox team did very, very well, Solar Titans kick ass. And you don't need the seasonal mod classy restoration for it. I'm not using it. Lorely Splendor, 100 Resilience. Man, good luck trying to kill me. I'm timing stuff to right and spreading Scorch around. I'm almost unstoppable. It's fantastic. Now, is there anything else to talk about before we cut loose today? I'm checking my notes. Checking them twice. No. No, there isn't anything of urgent importance to talk about except for trying to get you to go over to anchor.fm slash hg-podcast. Also, hit up our Twitter, podcast underscore hidden. We have access there through our link tree. If you want to like hook up with anybody on the Hit Guardian podcast regulars on their own. But there's also a link there right to our email address. If you want to send us a message, send us a question, comment, anything. Happy to take them. Happy to read them. Happy to respond to them. Maybe put something on the air. We're all good about that. We love hearing some feedback from our listeners. We appreciate everybody that does actually listen to the show. Thank you very much. Next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we'll, we'll cover what goes down in the, well, hopefully something happens this week. I'm hoping it does. If something does happen this week, we'll talk about that. If nothing happens this week, we'll find something to talk about. I'm going to try to get a nice special guest in maybe in the next week or so. Not next week, the week after. And we'll go from there. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And I'll be hanging out in the darkness zone, waiting for that revive. Be well, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye now.